Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr. Always happy to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big. And some don't make it at all. This week, we'll be reviewing Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. All right, Michael, last week we went with one that was questionable in terms of our opinions, but I think this time we're pretty much in agreement, right? Malcolm Gladwell is awesome. I think he's the best in the business. Oh, you call him the best. Oh, I think he's the best in the business. I I just thoroughly enjoy uh, listening to him. Everything is of enormously high quality, and he just loves talking to people, and it shows. My name is Malcolm Gladwell. You're listening to Revisionist History, my podcast about things overlooked and misunderstood. Malcolm Gladwell, in case our audience doesn't know him, right? So he is a journalist. He's Canadian. That's why you love him. Yeah. <laughs> so what else do we know about Malcolm our audience should know before we delve into his podcast directly? I feel a great connection to to Malcolm Gladwell. He's obviously very near in age to me. We grew up in southwestern Ontario, in the general area. His father taught at the University of Waterloo. My uncle taught at the University of Waterloo. I feel that, and he grew up in this little town called Elmira, which is just north of Waterloo. And he was raised in a very rural neighborhood. So Malcolm obviously ended up as a journalist, went to the University of Toronto, headed to the U.S. very shortly afterwards to work in initially conservative media and then the Washington Post for 10 years where he, he feels he really cut his teeth, right? This, right. That's really where he made a name for right. himself. So this 10-year, yeah. you know, and I think when he did his, his book that talked about you need 10 years of practice, if you asked him, he would say that, that that's where he got his 10 years of practice to become right, right. an expert. And yeah. he's published seven books. Yes. So he's, and he's done very well. I think the first four or five were on like the New York Times bestseller oh, these list. Are, yeah, I've read most of, very of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Very entertaining. Okay. So we got a, a talented journalist who right. becomes a podcaster. We've seen this model before, right? With several others, Tim Ferriss and Megan Dom and really yeah, Adam I, Grant. What makes God, ah. you know, Malcolm Gladwell um, who he is, is, is his ability to tell a story. And and I think podcasting has come around to the point where this really showcases the, yeah. the, and the, the, thing that, the real capabilities that Malcolm has. That for me uh, endeared me to him and listening to him is he's curious, right? Sure. We love questions. We called our podcast No Harm in Asking. Yeah. And he clearly, I mean, this is like his philosophy of life is ask, Right. I want to know why. I don't want to just accept that that is what it is. Am I missing something? Well, and this show, his show Revisionist History, is really, I mean, that's what it's about, right? right. It's about. He says it, overlooked and misunderstood. Yes. Is, and, and that's what he does. He, he takes a second look at things that you didn't know 
really existed. So the most recent one. Well, wait, which one are we we're going to focus on? Well, I've read, I mean, I've listened to many. I think we decided we would focus on the Project Dillard. There's some other, we'll bring in a bunch. Yeah, we'll bring yeah. in a bunch. I, okay. I, I, I'm The reason I'm going to point out this, the most recent one, which was the intriplicate one. And this is about the, oh, yeah. uh, so this that one is about the, the Oxycontin opioid epidemic, yeah. epidemic in America. The reason that this one is, is misunderstood is because he's able to find an angle that says, oh, here's the real reason that this company basically had this experiment done where some states were forced to fill out in triplicate uh, pres- yep. prescriptions for this particular medication. Well, other states did not have this. And this gave a very interesting real-world experiment to see whether or not, why did some states have a real epidemic yeah. and others did not? And he was able to uncover this particular thing, this specific thing about just the, the prescription pad. That this right. made a difference. I'd never heard this before. Yeah. Where did Matt, you know, I just was shocked. Yeah. Well, and what clearly frustrated him, and this is... Uh, again, I like the way his brain works here and the way he tells these stories, right? Because this had been already kind of proven. This experiment was done years ago yeah. and demonstrated. And why did all these people have to die of opioid addiction when there was already evidence out there that if you make the doctors write the prescriptions in triplicate, it's not right. that it discourages them, but they think but more it, about it. They you know. think more about it, right? There's going to be a record to this, <laughs> and clearly it makes a difference. New York had this triplicate policy. Right. You had to write these in triplicate. Massachusetts did not. And he estimated that 25,000 more people died over this period in Massachusetts from opioid addiction than in New York. Right. It it was just fascinating because I didn't know it. And then, obviously, Malcolm Gladwell, who's got a history in in journalism, was able to tie himself into the story by the fact that um, he was able to pull in people that were big proponents of this policy in the government, people that he dealt with when he was a reporter in Washington at the Washington Post. He was really able to tell a story that not only was fascinating, but was able to encapsulate himself in the story. And let's talk about theming here, because I think this also touches on another element of his style and the way that he does his podcasts that I think makes him somewhat unique is this historical view, right? All of his episodes, he has this this wonderful ability to go back in time and right. kind of find references and examples, sometimes hundreds of years ago, sometimes it's 40, 50 years ago, but he he uses history to show us what we should have known, could have known. It, the new season, right, is uh, is all about experimentation. Right. He calls it the, the magic wand. We have these questions. We don't understand the impact of certain things like screen time and I mean, this gender is his, identity. This is, this is his gift, you know, right? Questions, stuff, right? This is what all his books are based on. It's yeah. Malcolm Gladwell's brain saying he's living, he's living the life. I think this is the way his brain works, and he's doing exactly what what he wants to be doing. Gladwell, yeah. right? He's able to mix in different, you know, music. He's able you know, interview style, just himself talking. All yeah, of these things. He puts be, all these elements together, mixed in together, and produce this really beautifully produced half hour piece, like. The other fantastic thing is not only is he a great storyteller, but he's able to tell the story in in a half an hour. You know, we just did Joe Rogan. Two, you know, you said 
two and a half hours of just chatting. Five hours, yes. But yet Malcolm Gladwell is able to tell a a complete story, even one as complex as this, the OxyContin issue. Yeah. And and you get, you fully understand the the entire breadth of the story. Right. um, And and, the history. And and interviews. And it's all packaged up with a really neat bow in a time unit that is really absorbable. Right. So here's another thing that he does that fascinates me and how well he pulls it off is he goes out of the studio. So these are not all recorded in a studio in a nice, clean, safe sound environment, yeah. right? Where you know you're not going to have a bunch of oddball noise and stuff. You know, one of the ones I listened to, uh, it's called I Love Waymo, where he went out to Arizona and did a test in a uh, autonomous vehicle, mm-hmm. right, out there. And so you've got Sound that's recorded in the car with him is they're they're driving around and he's talking about the experience there. Then he actually records some of it where he's running down the street outside the car, right? And you can hear him kind of getting out of breath. My epiphany would not come until later that afternoon when I found myself sprinting desperately alongside our Waymo. Let's go, Waymo! While Jacob looked down helplessly from the back seat. Waymo doesn't know what he's doing. Actually, Waymo knows what he's doing. He doesn't know what I'm doing. We'll come back to this, I promise. He thinks he's gotten away from me. To me, this is just brave, too, right? How do you get good sound? And he really does a good job. Uh, I'm sure they're using good sound engineering techniques to minimize some of the sound. But he wants you to get that feel. That this is out no, of the, the wild, the right? Different, the difference in sounds, right? Or even the, the triplicate one, he was on the phone with a guy. And you really did get the sense that yeah. he was on the phone. And he's, and he's piecing them together to tell yeah. the story. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful to listen to. Yeah. He also does another clever thing I like, too. And that's the give me enough information to make me curious, but don't tell me what I'm hearing yet. So like how they used iodine to solve goiter thing, but it starts out in a factory, right? So they're in this like manufacturing facility and you don't know why they're there, right? So this is kind of the hook at the beginning of the thing. And he's asking somebody, can you tell the difference, right? So he's there with somebody and they're clearly, they're tasting something and they're saying, no, I can't tell you know, they look and taste the same, but you don't know what it is till later, right? At the end, they kind of come back to that and you realize, oh, he was demonstrating or they were demonstrating in the manufacturing floor the difference between regular salt and iodized salt and that you, uh, an educated person can tell the difference both visually and by taste, but normal everyday us, we can't tell the difference, right? And the whole story was about how somebody came up with this way to add iodine to salt to solve goiter problem, right? That a iodine deficiency causes goiter. And there were all these inland people, including they called it the goiter belt in the US. Anyway, I was aware of iodized salt, but I didn't know the story behind how we ended up with iodine in, in salt. Oh, so This um, is exactly the reason. Exactly the reason, yes. <laughs> so, well, but again, it goes back to some of the beauty of what he does is he's educating 
And Absolutely. for me, this was a story I don't remember ever yeah. hearing before. It's really good. He's very thoughtful. These episodes are not random, unstructured. It's just fascinating, I think, you know, to watch his brain go. I feel badly. I mean, I, after, a, after a half hour episode of Malcolm Gladwell, I just feel like I'm not adding enough to the world. Like, I feel, <laughs> I mean, everyone just makes me feel bad. It's like, what a, fa- you know, what a yeah. failure I am. Look at what this man is doing. Like, yeah. and, and you're like, Ken, you come from the same uh, background. Yeah, what happened what, to you, Michael? What happened? Like, well, I just feel terrible. <laughs> That I'm not doing that I'm not adding as much value to the world as this guy. All right. So our podcast, Michael, I can assure you that six or seven years from now, we're still doing this. We are gonna add value to the world. I promise. In half hour bites of just pure genius. I I truly (laughs) hope that that's the case. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about monetization strategy because uh, this one is another one. Similar to you know, what we've seen recently with, with strategies on getting paid subscribers, but this is all about paid subscribers. So they're clearly publishing episodes that are free and episodes that are behind a paywall that you have to be a Pushkin Plus member in order to access. You get two-hour episodes if – No, I think the – Bonus episodes are similar, similar length. Right. I, I think he uses the basically the same formula there, uh, which clearly is working for him. That thirty to thirty-five minute range, he's really consistent there yeah. in that uh, style of, of or format for his episodes. But so, like season seven came out at the moment, there's only six episodes available, right? Episodes one through four plus two bonus ones, but you got to be a paid member to listen to three of those. So half of what's been released for season seven is behind the paywall. And I think this is an experiment. I agree. I think that this isn't about him you know, needing the money. Right. I think he's trying to test the dials, yes. right? How far can I turn this and drive paid subscribers? And it's only $5 a month. Um, and it's for all of Pushkin. So it's it's all of Pushkin, yeah, right? I right. Wonder, so they obviously split it up. I mean, I, it yeah. would be interesting. Uh, I don't know how they they figure out. I mean, all right. And by the way, we know what Pushkin is. So for our audience, right? So Malcolm Gladwell has also created a company, a business called Pushkin Industries that produces other ones like a slight change of plans with Maya Shankar. One of the first ones that we reviewed was a Pushkin production. Yeah. And again, it was one of the things we raved about was the quality of how well that was produced. And so this is part of what he does and Pushkin. Yeah. And you can see the is, similarities between that one. You know, there are these the yeah. techniques, right? So again, it's uh, her podcast, Maya Shanker's podcast is very much, you know, interview, her talking, music, background, different transitions, types of transitions different, yeah, yeah. You know, go off, you know, come off and, and talk about things as an expert. This really works well. I think Malcolm Gladwell has gotten to a point in life where he's trying to – he wants to help other people. And, yeah. and I think he's found you know, his tribe, if you will, um, yeah. and he's going to try and help these people. And part of it is monetization. I think you know, maybe not for himself per se, but it's certainly for the, the number of people that he's signed up and, and yeah. is promoting on his and podcast just to, network. You know, to plug Pushkin here a little bit. Because we do love what they do. Uh, some of their other podcasts are uh, Backstage Pass with Eric Vetro. Um, he's a voice coach. We have a Deep Background with Noah Feldman. 
uh, a slight change of plans we mentioned. That was an Apple uh, top podcast of 2021. Uh, Deep Cover, The Drug Wars is a Pushkin one. So it's quite a variety too, right? These are different styles, different genres, if you will, of uh, podcasting. And he seems to do well in all of them, all of the podcasts that they run. Uh, I, have, well. I really enjoy Malcolm Gladwell interviews. I don't think any of – so revisionist history is obviously focused on this overlooked and misunderstood concept. But a Malcolm Gladwell interview is a is a beautiful thing to listen to. He is so – You're such a fanboy. Oh, he is so enthusiastic <laughs> and the way he talks to people where he just is fascinated yeah. by them. And I would be willing to pay for Malcolm Gladwell interviews you know he uh, yeah. obviously has access to well the adam the grant one was fun right? right we listened to that episode in fact that's an episode that's on both sides right so adam it's grant not on revisionist history uh it is oh, somewhere it is. there i thought i saw it as i was scrolling through it all of his really podcasts I, I know he did it like a bonus one okay, right bonus. so we did a bonus episode that is uh, his interview thing that he did it was a live show that was recorded yeah. with Adam Grant. I think he Grant. could do yeah. these. Enjoy yeah. that. I think I think yeah. there's something that he could really. Provide. Well, you are a fanboy. You should sign up. I guess so. so. You're right. I, yeah, I absolutely yeah, you should would listen to all of his episodes. I would listen to them yeah. all. Yeah. So I do want to mention one thing that I thought was interesting about the way he promotes the and they call it Pushkin Plus is that membership right, right. that gives you access to exclusive episodes and an early release. So like when they're releasing a new season, uh, like they just did with season seven here, the paid members, Pushkin Plus members, got access to that about a week before the rest of the public did uh, for the free consumption. But one of the things they say in there is that you get the episodes ad-free. Again, I think that I think that the whole Pushkin thing is really Malcolm Gladwell's opportunity to build these other people's podcasts. Um, yeah. Ultimately, this is where this is where the re- in my opinion, this is where the real money is. You know, you yeah. you, know, you don't want to just monetize your one podcast. You want to have fifty podcasts on your podcast network. Yeah. And you can use your creativity to make them as great as you can. So one thing interesting too, again, about branding there is you notice all of the Pushkin ones, both his revisionist history, Maya Shanker does this also. Uh, I think I listened to some of the other one with the voice coach guy. But they all start with the same kind of intro, and you hear it just say, Pushkin. Pushkin. So that's a branding kind of thing, right? When you listen to multiple different podcasts, you keep hearing Pushkin, Pushkin. It's not overly done or pushy, I think, uh, but it's subtle and it – Yeah, and it's memorable, that little – And the name Pushkin, right? We looked this up, appears to be a reference. I'm not sure why. To Alexander Pushkin, who's a famous Russian poet. poet. One of the things I I also liked about the the theming you you mentioned – Right, he goes right. My podcast about things overlooked and misunderstood. There was another quote I pulled out. The great sobering discovery of my middle age is that the list of things we don't know is a lot longer than the list of things we do know. So this is kind of a reoccurring theme to his kind of thought experiments, right? And what drives them, right? Is when we we think we know something, we realize there's much more we don't know 
than than what we do know. Right. I think that was in reference maybe to this season, which was all about yeah, experimentation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that sort of season theming. Yeah. Um, the other only interesting thing I found was that the hooks on Malcolm Gladwell's episodes are big. Like these are three minute hooks. He really does quite an introduction right. uh, of what this. And, and then, again, if you haven't and jumps in. been listening to us regularly, when we talk about the hook, we're talking about a a short piece at the very beginning of an episode that gets you intrigued, yeah. right? That teases what's coming, so you you know you're hooked, right? Yeah. You want to stay and, and listen. His hooks are longer; they're almost a monologue ish kind yeah. of a thing a that really sets the stage and says, "Yeah, this is the story we're going to tell." And then he goes and, and tells the story, so a bit more elaborate, but he clearly sets up an episode before you, you start to get too deep. Uh, like the salt one, part of that hook was, say, this teasing. What are they doing? They're yeah. tasting something. and So I think, you know, for me, the takeaway for as we start to look at, you know, different podcasts and we say, what, you know, yeah. what should you do on your podcast? Obviously, Malcolm Gladwell has looked at his history as journalist and as a person and mm-hmm. said, what value can I add to the world, right? Yeah. And this is what he adds to the world. He can tell great stories. He understands history. He reads a lot. He's got the background in journalism, which he can pull in. Yep. And he combines all that into a single podcast and produces this sort of masterpiece. And yeah. so when we look at, you know, we other podcasters have been contacting us. And a lot of them, they... Yeah, they're kind of going along their passion, but they don't do a good enough job of bringing in or understanding what are all the pieces that make me unique and what kind of podcasts can I produce. And as an individual, like for me, yeah. I got to look at who are my, who's my tribe, who's my audience yeah. and what special skills do I have that I'm bringing to the table? And Malcolm Gladwell has figured that out and yeah. he can produce something that is, is every week. Or, you know, in this 30 minute episodes yeah. are, are what he's all about. Well, and I want to, we didn't come back to Project Dillard, right, and why we both liked this episode. So for me, I really liked this one because it was almost kind of personal for mm-hmm. him. This issue made him angry, right? So this was about university colleges ranking in this system, the U.S. News ranking that comes out every year and ranks all the universities, and they use this algorithm. And this made him mad. This algorithm basically is prejudiced. It's biased against schools that cater to underprivileged students. And he ended up with this example of Dillard University in New Orleans, and he had the president on the show to kind of talk about the school and all the things they do that are great and why, right? And he and he pulled in statisticians who, you know, kind of reverse engineered this algorithm and demonstrated that if you did nothing else at Dillard but changed the students, replacing the underprivileged black students with rich or wealthy white students, that Dillard would go from the absolute bottom tier, unrecognized, potentially all the way up to number three on the list of these schools, right? Yeah. The point is that Malcolm is effective because he talks about stuff he cares about. Right. Pick stuff you're passionate about. We hear this all the time with podcasters, right? And other podcasters advising new podcasters talk about something you really care about. And so here we even see Malcolm Gladwell, this 
you know, kind of top of the game podcaster, and he is still doing that, right? He's finding stuff, right. still that passionate, makes still him angry, angry that he wants to get and this he can stand with, and he can stand with them, yeah. right? I mean, he can, you know, he's yeah. smart enough that obviously he can he can go toe to toe with. I mean, that's not what this podcast is about, but when he needs to, when, yeah. he, when he needs to show a little bit of angst, he can he can do it, and it's yeah. never it's never over the top. Yeah. I and mean, he's not an angry man. Um, oh, by the way, I want to inject another piece here. So we'll do a clip. I loved this part in the Dillard one. So again, he's very creative in the use of music and stuff. So in this case, uh, one of the things he honed in on, and you see examples of it all through this, is Dillard has this wonderful choir. And so he uses the choir music to kind of theme this episode. And so I, I just want to play one little bit of that. Um, I just thought this was was beautiful and a great kind of way he leads into the, the music and uses the music. So let's play that. Rankings place us all in a world with a clear set of rules that more is better than less, rich is better than poor, white is better than black. Okay. Again, just another great example of a podcaster who is methodical and smart and intelligent, and he brings on some great guests, not necessarily famous, but they're people who have real data right. and experience and can answer hard questions. And he goes after stuff that he's passionate about. He has this theming of history and historical view of things and yeah, he really understands what he's trying to do right he he understands this this overlooked and misunderstood concept is is woven throughout the entire yeah that's what makes it great all right so there you go if you're trying to understand how to be a better podcaster we encourage you listen to malcolm gladwell revisionist history and really any of the pushkin productions. You want to see how a really well-produced podcast sounds, check it out. If you're afraid to go out of the studio and record something out in the wild, listen to Malcolm. He'll show you how it's done. He's very, very clever, very creative in that way. So that was our review of Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell. Please subscribe to our podcast. We've got a whole bunch of new stuff coming. You've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. If you'd like us to review your podcast, please let us know. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration.